Welcome to In the Booth, a Frederick News Post podcast exploring the 2016 races to represent Frederick County. This has been an election year like no other, both around the county and around the country. Here, we'll explore issues important to Frederick County voters, from third-party candidates to overcrowded roads and classrooms to presidential politics. I'm Danielle Gaines, here with my co-host, Jeremy Bauerwolf. Hello. And we are In the Booth. Glad Hill Furniture is the only place you need to visit. Save big by taking half off all leather furniture store-wide. And this month, you can also take advantage of 24 months 0% financing. Stop by and visit one of our expert design consultants and get luxury for less. This election cycle, three seats are open on the seven-member Frederick County Board of Education. Though the school board race is nonpartisan, we've seen clear examples of political lines being drawn. The county's Republican Central Committee has encouraged the GOP to only vote for the single Republican in the race, Cindy Rose. Another candidate, a Democrat, dropped out simply to block Rose from taking the seat. We wanted to know, has the school board race always been partisan? What are the most relevant issues facing school board candidates? On In the Booth, we sit down with Katie Groth, an outgoing board member who has served since 2004 but decided not to run again, and Missy Dirks, president of the Frederick County Teachers Association, to talk a little bit about the race. Thank you so much for joining us today, both of you. Happy to be here. I'm happy to be here, even though it's Monday morning early. I'm still happy to be here. So give me a little bit of an idea what it's like, Katie, to run for the Board of Education and what's unique about a Board of Education race. Well, the first time I ran, I was the only candidate, so how can I give you any? I mean, I was appointed in May of one year. That fall, I ran um, more or less unopposed, and it wasn't, I mean, I was just getting used to the idea of even being in a political situation, so it was a matter of just getting my name out there, because I was not necessarily a a old family, you know, um, everyday household word. So I did get some, some, um, some signs out, and my colors were always school bus yellow and black, and I always believed that that showed up like a school bus. And so that was a, my first my first try wasn't awfully stressful because there wasn't anyone else running against me. Second campaign was a little more interesting, and I did get a you know I did get someone to be a campaign chairperson. So it became more and more of an effort to get yourself out there and get yourself um, oriented to the various parts of the community where you needed to be visible and seen and heard. And I did, I did work very hard that second campaign to be part of the, because it's a presidential um, cycle. So you have to really work hard to get your, your, your noise and your voice above the rest of the voices that are out there for the presidential candidates and, con- and congressional and so forth. So I, I, I really moved into it rather easily. The last, the last one I was in was, of course, four years ago, and it was quite a lot more stressful in terms of your time and your having to show up at things and there were many more uh, forums and there were many more opportunities for uh, me to talk and give my views Um, but at the same time there were also an awful lot more people um, criticizing me and telling me that you know there were various things about me and my and my point of view that wasn't acceptable to them and various things were were uncomfortable that began to be a little more uncomfortable then so I, I I've kind of run the gamut I think from an absolutely nothing campaign to now if I were running this time, I think it would be even more stressful because there's so many issues that people are so, so excited or so emotionally um, stirred up about. Um, I think it's gotten progressively more political, more, more partisan. 
uh, to the point where now I think it's, and we're supposed to be totally nonpartisan. In fact, I left a political party that I belonged to so I could actually say I'm nonpartisan. And what political party were you? Republican. You're Republican. For a long time. And when did you leave? I left when, um, may I say it? May I say honestly? I left when the Tea Party people took over. I, I felt they did not they did not represent my point of view, especially my, my rather more liberal point of view as an educator. So I, I, I said I cannot belong to a party that doesn't represent who I am. And so I just became a nonpartisan, which has been much more comfortable for me all the way along because then I can say I can take any kind of stand I want to, and now I don't have anyone saying, well, that's not the party line. Well, that's not the party line because my party line was whatever I wanted it to be. And I still feel that way as a nonpartisan. I'm not going to change back, I don't believe. I, I feel like a, a person who can say and do pretty much what I need to politically and not, and not worry that some gonna, someone's going to be offended because I'm not speaking the party line. So I've, I've, um, but I have observed, and maybe you have too, Missy, uh, observed a lot more partisan, um, uh, partisanism in the Board of Education race where there really shouldn't be any. I, I agree, and I, I think... Um in the past, it was very much uh, a low-key race. Uh, a lot of people didn't pay attention to the Board of Education race, and um, Board of Education candidates didn't really campaign. And nowadays, uh, it's very much a campaign just like any other race. And um, I know uh, some people try to make it very uh, partisan, which it is a nonpartisan race and, and should be kept as such. Do you, do you think that it was always partisan in a sense, but it was more covered up and less overt? Or do you think that the, the partisanism, since we keep using that word, <laughs> is a new thing altogether? Oh, of course, it's not new. Partisan, partisanism is not new. But it, I think it's relatively new to the Board of Education race because we, we our, our, our political party of record was a matter of public record, so people could look it up if they wanted to. But it was never mentioned, never, never um, a matter of, um, of, of a political um, point of view or a political uh, stand on anything. You were just, you had your stand, you had your opinion, you had your, you know, whatever it was you wanted to talk about. You had, you had the right to do and say whatever it was you wanted. I remember being invited I think I'm not wrong here. Being invited to both the Democrats and the Republicans um, campaign just to speak to them about what I thought way back at the beginning. Uh, no, that's not true now. People identify me as with the Democrats, although I'm not. People identify me that way, so the Republicans don't invite me to anything. So I, tell, me, tell me that's not partisan. I think that's partisan. When did locally you really observe a shift? I mean, was there any like advertisements taken out any particular year that the cycle really turned? Well, I, I want to say it was uh, I want to say it was eight years ago. That's when I, I thought I began to when the when the Tea Party people began to um, mm -hmm. rise, come into come into their own, and I we had uh, we had quite a lot of that brought to the board um, in during during uh, public comment. So I, I, I think that's about when it when, when Blaine Young and, and his group took over the Board of County Commissioners, I believe that that was when I would say, I'm marking in time, I would say that's about when I remember the Tea Party point of view becoming um, rather the dominant one on the, on, the, um, on the side of the, well, for the County Commissioners it was anyway. That's how you remember it too, Missy? I mean, I, I think it was 
somewhat gradual. Again, when I started teaching, the Board of Ed was all appointed. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't political in the sense because you didn't have to run a campaign. You didn't. It was an appointed position. And and then it gradually shifted to an elected position because they did part of the board and then uh, part of it was still appointed and and they moved on. So I think it's been a gradual shift uh, and partly because of how it came into being. Do you think that it was politicized more after that happened? So you had to actually run for an election? Yes, because I think at the very beginning, because it was new to even vote for the Board of Education race, people didn't expect the candidates to get out and campaign. And now there's that expectation from both their supporters and the and the people on the other side that they need to get out and campaign like any regular politician would. Yes, I agree. I agree. That's that was the the big the big difference. And as you say, it was gradual because I was appointed. Um, true, it was not appointed as a, a regular um, as a regular race in the sense that it was uh, according to a schedule. But I was um, appointed to replace a. Um, a per- person on the board who left early and had a that was a, that was a vacancy. So I took that vacancy in May of that year. So I didn't have any idea about running for office. I didn't have any idea. That's why I said that first year was kind of a non-event. But uh, after that, it it really did come come back in you know in spades. I'd say. <laughs> so. So have you observed any of this partisanship? on the seated board then? I mean, I mean, do people vote party lines? Like you said, it is a matter of public record. We could look up and see who's affiliated with what. Let me, let me ask Missy that. I'd like to hear it from someone who's an observer because I can tell you what I think, but I think the observer may have. We'll get, well, no, we can get both of you, definitely. Okay, well, <laughs> would you mind going first? I mean, I, I, I will if you want me to. Um, I, I don't necessarily think so. I think um, sometimes... You, you could break it down that way, but I think people uh, are, align themselves with the political, par- political party and register for a political party because of their ideals. And uh, like you said, Katie, you just said you left a political party because you didn't think it matched who what your beliefs were. So I think some of that is, is they align with that party on, on purpose because that's who they believe and what they believe in, not because the party is telling them to do X, yes. Y, or Z. And so when they take a position on the board, on the dais, it's a position that they've made known usually much prior to a vote being taken. So I don't, I don't ever follow it as the votes on the dais are a political vote because the, the politics happened well before it gets to into the boardroom. I would agree, except I, I think there has been a little bit, maybe I could say factionalism on our board. We have a lot of, we, well, we have, if Brad were here, he would tell me this is wrong. <laughs> it seems to me we have a lot of 4-3 votes. Um, I think if someone were to count them up, I think maybe there wouldn't be as many as I'm thinking there were, because I think we've had a lot of 5-2 votes, you know, and I think there have been, there have been, there have been issues we voted on, even issues that were extremely, emotional in the community, which didn't really have a partisan uh, divide. Uh, they really weren't partisan types of issues. Um, for example, the first dip redistricting we did, um, that was back when I was first on the board, that was really not, political, not partisan at all. But it was very highly, um, very, a very highly uh, emotional topic, and a lot of the people in the community 
uh, were very highly emotional about the decisions we were making as a board. But I can say without any hesitation, that certainly wasn't a partisan decision. Partisanship on the board, I don't, I don't think I notice the partisanship so much as I notice every now and then a factionalism, a particular four and a particular three, for example. Well, I was going to ask that because Democrats on your current board actually outnumber the Republicans. Mm-hmm. And they're double the number of Democrats on the current board compared to Republicans. Um, Cindy Rose, who is a Republican, she came in second in the primary, which generally means that you go on to take a seat. Do you think if another Republican were going to come onto the board, it would change the dynamic at all? I mean, would there be a more vocal split? It depends on the person, I think. Well, she's pretty vocal. Yes. Yes. I think it depends on the person. Um, Well, so certain issues come to the front in every election. Right now it seems to be, you know, testing and school construction dollars. Um, What has been the biggest issue in the last couple of years and what do you think should be the biggest issue? Well I think the Common Core and the testing which goes along with it. um, You can't separate Common Core from PARC and PARC is the way that we are told by the state of Maryland, the Maryland State Department of Education and you know jump in if you want to add to this. We are told that we must use that exam for the for the Common Core. Now the Common Core standards are what we all use to write our curriculum. Every county has written its own curriculum. People sometimes think the Common Core is a curriculum that we've been dictated to from the federal government. Not true. We, as Maryland, we adopted the Common Core as our standards. We agreed that this, we agreed as a state that the standards were what we wanted for our kids in Maryland. Almost, almost a million kids. And we, ad- we adopted it through the MSDE and also the State Board of Education. We adopted the Common Core standards. So after the standards were adopted, then each, each jurisdiction wrote their own curriculum. And I can, and I know you can, I can attest to how hard our staff people work to write the curriculum to go with the standards. But then what had to happen was you had to have an assessment that would align with the standards. So we could be sure when we were testing the kids to see if they had learned the material that we felt was the standard that we wanted them to reach. We wanted to be sure, so we started using the park, which had been aligned with um, the uh, Common Core. Um, it's only been given once, and um, I think we ha- we're going to really have to wait before we start waiting. I'm, bef- I'm going to tell you this before because I know you're going to ask. The, the, the park is, is new. It's, new. it's a new kid in the block, and I think we're going to have to wait and see after maybe one or two more administrations of the test to see about its reliability and validity because you can't use it once when it's brand new to everyone including the teachers including the students including the community you can't use it once and expect that to to stand for what it all means and I think we'll have to see I, I don't know my, my guess is two more administrations before we have any kind of trend it, I thought it was it had been given twice this well, is the second round of results yes, this year right this, it, we don't have those we don't have all yes. the results yeah well we don't have all the right broken down necessarily no, okay yeah. But so, yes, it's so, been administered more than once. But we don't have. But it's, it is very new, and there a lot of the concerns uh, that are surround Common Core really are about the testing and not the standards. From when you break the arguments down, and and there are a lot of issues with Park. There's a lot of issues with whether or not it's a valid test. There's a lot of issues of whether or not the people who are doing the scoring are trained and accurate scorers. Um, there, uh, there's just a myriad of issues with park, um, but that is separate from the standards themselves. But right. they, because everything was rolled out together and they're inextricably tied together, because park is supposed to be evaluating 
uh, what we're doing. Um, and so it is a huge issue. It continues to be a big issue um, with the reauthorization of the uh, Elementary and Secondary Education Act or the new, the new slogan, uh, Every Student Succeeds Act, um, which replaced the No Child Left Behind authorization. Um, there are a lot of things left to the state level, and uh, our Maryland State Department of Education and the, and the board, State Board of Ed, have many, many, many decisions in front of them that will impact uh, the local Board of Education and what they can and can't do and um, what teachers and students are going to be doing in the classroom. So right now is a really crucial time in, in education in, across the country because um, the federal law um, put back in place a um, state control over a lot of the items mm -hmm. that the law had taken out of the states. Um, and so, but with that control comes a huge level of accountability. Yes. Well, and, and ha yet to be determined accountability. Exactly. So, how come we haven't heard more about this conversation in the election cycle then? Because I think it has focused on testing. Is the testing piece still the most relevant part of the election cycle? Wow, that's a, that's hard to say. What's the most relevant? I think I think part of why we haven't heard the larger conversation is because. There's still a lot of unknowns. Like I said, the, the legislation that passed at the federal level um, made the responsibility of um, teacher evaluation back down to the state level. They made the responsibility of a lot of the decisions on what happens if a school is not meeting standards back down to the state level, but the state hasn't decided what they're going to do. And in fact, the state was taking um, comment, but then they haven't they haven't been signaling where they're leaning one way or the other. And so it's really hard for somebody who's not in education to have a conversation that has so many unknowns and so many things that are hard for people to understand. Um, and so, but I think as this year progresses and as MSDE and the state, Maryland State Board, start talking about where they're leaning on, where they want to put the emphasis on accountability, that it will be one of the biggest things that this board has to deal with. So, th I would like to add a piece to this because a lot of people don't know. The state board's appointed, and we have almost all new state board members. And the piece that, that's interesting that people, most people don't know is the State Board of Education does not consist of educators. They are like we are. They're citizen, citizens who step up to take the position, but they're not trained educators. So now there's a big, steep learning curve going on with the State Board. And I've been to several State Board meetings, and I can attest to that. You have, too. You've seen. Jeremy. I have. Absolutely. And these are people who are just learning the material, just learning what their job is. They're just learning what the importance of their learning the ropes, so to speak, and get that learning curve out of the way. They're asking great questions, which I know are going to lead them to all kinds of understanding. But in the meantime, they're having to make big decisions based on a, a lack of big experience. Um, we have, I'm trying to think how many we have on the board that are, that are I think we have two, maybe two left that are that are that have been on the board for a while so I'm, I'm I'm thinking that that needs to play into this discussion that we should tell people that this new state board and a new stu school superintendent for the state of Maryland that will open the door to a lot of maybe some new interpretations and so it will be very interesting to watch the state board and see how they function and how they make decisions 
as different from the previous State Board of Education. So I, I, want, I, want to, I want to throw that in here at this point because I think it is part and parcel of why this is such a big issue and that people don't know about it because no one follows the State Board if they don't have a reason to. Um, well, it's really hard to even follow the State Board even if you have a reason to because their meetings are during the day. They it's don't broadcast. They don't broadcast them. Right. It's the delay in the notes from the meeting is often great number of days, weeks. Um, it's not something that a lot of the general news media coverage is it covered. Mm-hmm. You know, if you turn on the five o'clock news, they're like, and today in the state board, unless it's something earth shatteringly yes. controversial, it doesn't. And there hasn't been anything quite like that, except maybe Karen Salmon's appointment as superintendent. That was that was newsworthy. But but let me say that, that the Maryland Association of Boards of Education, if you don't mind me plugging, <laughs> the Maryland Association of Boards of Education, more commonly known as MABE, uh, sends representatives to every state board meeting. So we're there trying to um, observe and um, bring back to our membership uh, what we've observed. You were there the other week, week Jeremy, and you, you, I guess you've gone before. I have gone so, many times. Yeah. yeah, so that when, when you, when you, then you get, then you get it when it's hot off the, hot off the press, so to speak. It's, it's the new, dis- new discussions on who's saying what and what, which way the wind is blowing in terms of points of view and so forth and it's very interesting watching this all evolve because these people don't don't really know each other very well and and they really are beginning to work together as a board but it's but it's going to be very interesting watching them take this take the testing issue and some of the other hot topics and come together on that in some kind of way and it may be quite different than what the previous board did so I think it'll be interesting to watch that so the this question gets a little bit complicated but since there are so many unknowns, you know, the state is in the midst of developing its accountability plan. Mm-hmm. Is it, isn't it kind of the right time for candidates to kind of express their views about this, you know, developing plan, you know, the law, work with the new members of the Board of Education? And this also goes down to, you know, how much does the public understand about the race and education itself. I mean, how can you communicate issues that are so complicated in a race like this to the general public? I think when you have a forum, you'd be sure to ask the right questions. Because I think if you have a forum and you don't ask people about that, they're not going to probably give you, assure you that. I think when you go to a forum, and I can tell you, I've been to enough of them, um, you only answer the question that you're asked. You know, you don't, uh, you don't sit there and, and pontificate on another topic I mean I don't think you do I, I never did <laughs> anyway you don't you don't get enough time to do that and I think that the new issues as they come forward I think it's the responsibility to all of all of our Board of Education members to be up to up to date that's why people like us go to these meetings and bring back some point of view or some new information we've learned and I and I really believe that good communication is going to always as you all know good communication is is good for everybody so you guys ask the right questions, I'm sure your candidates will answer. And But I don't think they're going to jump up and say, oh, let me tell you about the new board. Because I'm not sure that would be something that they would think to bring up as part of the local um, discussion. Um, you guys were discussing the difficulty in understanding some of these issues for the average voter. So obviously some of those voters will decide to turn to the Apple ballot. And I'm wondering if um, you think that the Apple ballot recommendations play a significant role in the outcome of elections locally. Is there going to be an Apple ballot? There, yes. See, I didn't know there was going to be one. Um, yes. um, and who, who have you endorsed, just to remind us? Who is the union endorsed? 
um, the Frederick County Teachers Association, along with our support staff association, FACE, and the Administrative Association, FACASA, have endorsed uh, Joy Schaefer, Ken Kerr, and Mike Beninsky. Ken is a new endorsement, correct? Because I remember it was initially Shirley. This, since the primary, yes, we have endorsed. But we did endorse Ken in the last election, the last time he ran. Right, the previous yes. election cycle. But I remember you didn't endorse in the primary, and then... We reported that you came out with your yes, uh, and th- and then after um, Shirley and Lois dropped out of the okay. race, okay, you shifted um, so your endorsement we, there to are, Ken. There okay. are three seats. There are three seats open. So uh, we went back um, to our endorsement process and then ended up endorsing Ken. Lots of news. I did not know. Sorry, I just didn't know. I bet you, if I were running, I sure know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think those uh, recommendations play a role in, in the final outcome? I think that it makes people um, stop and pay attention. A lot of times uh, the all the oxygen in the room gets sucked out by the national politics, uh, this year even more so. And uh, a lot of the average person, especially if they don't have children in the system, don't always stop and think what's way down the ballot because the Board of Education race is the last thing on the ballot before you get to any referendums that might be on the ballot in any given year. Um, and so I know that um, it it makes people think and, and go look and research the candidates. Um, our endorsement process involves uh, interviews, questionnaires, and a vote from our members. Um, so it's not something that we do on a whim they have to get at 58 percent of members uh, and it's an up or down vote it's not like a ballot it's it's I mean it is on a ballot but it they have to get 58 percent of teachers saying yes we agree with the decision it's not like a regular election where if you if you get one vote if you're if there's only three people running and you get one vote you get it no you have to have 58 percent of our members. Otherwise, you wouldn't re- you wouldn't necessarily endorse three. If Correct. Didn't, we didn't. could endorse zero, one, two, or three because each individual person that we had to get a fifty eight percent. Would you endorse more than three if we that came back more? We have in the past. The association has endorsed more people than running in the race, um, but then um, sometimes people are like, "Well, I, that." That confuses me. Do I get to vote for four? Do I get to vote for? Um, so we made a decision this time around to only endorse up to the number of seats open. I will say an answer, Danielle, to your question about do I think they make a difference. Um, I did a lot of um, polling. I was out at the polls in the election last time, and I had, you know, I had packages of, of Apple ballots because I had been endorsed. And I took the Apple ballots with me as I worked at the various polls, and I handed them out. And I was I was really pleased to see the number of people who were glad to see those, mm-hmm. see what teachers the teachers the teachers in Frederick County what they wanted. And even though I know there are teachers who don't necessarily agree with that, um, I think a lot of people were influenced by the fact that the teachers had thought enough of these people who were on the list um, to put their name up as an endorsement. But I, I think that there were a lot of people at the last minute even who probably li- appreciated having someone tell them that. So I handed out a lot of Apple ballots at the last election. Mm-hmm. People seemed happy to get them when I handed them to them. 
Can you, Missy, would you mind walking us just briefly through how the actual endorsement process works start to finish? Yeah, um, we send questionnaires to everyone who's filed for office. So um, whether or not they've reached out to us in the beginning or not, we send questionnaires to everyone. And this is just school board? Do you do this um, to other offices as well? or? In, in this year, school board is the only local race. Uh, we only do local races. Um, and uh, as, as FCTA or FACE of Fracasa, we only do local races. So this year, this is the only local race. Um, so we sent out questionnaires. Uh, and then uh, anyone who returns a questionnaire then goes through an interview process, which is made, uh, the interview team is made up of members uh, from all three of the units. Uh, and then um, after the interview process, w the interview team makes recommendation to all of our respective boards. Uh, we have elected board of directors in all three of our associations. Um, and then uh, once that happens um, in our association, in FCTA, it, then the board then um, decides to move that recommendation on or not. Um, and then once it goes on to our members, we send ballots out to every single one of our members, um, which is about 87% of the teaching uh, staff in Frederick County. And then I, they get the opportunity to say, yes, we agree with that selection, or no, we don't, for each person. And they need a 58% affirmative vote. What would you say to the criticism, um, especially from some Republicans, and I know Cindy has also expressed this, that there's a personal bias or there's some sort of partisanship that plays into the Apple ballot selection with the process of, you know, your board is the one kind of um, distributing your choices to the, the rest of the membership? Well, we have about 30, 30% or on any given, I haven't looked at the numbers this year, so I'm not sure, but just on average, 30 to 40% of our members are registered Republicans. Uh, so they play a big role in all of our decisions. Um, we have Repu registered Republicans on our board of directors. We had registered Republicans, independents, and Democrats on our interview team. Um, we endorse in any race, partisan or nonpartisan, based on their views on education and things that affect the children in our schools. So issues of poverty and other things that affect the children that we teach every day. We do not look at party affiliation in nonpartisan races. Um, and in other cases, we've endorsed Republicans and Democrats in uh, up and down the ticket, the last uh, election that was m more than the Board of Ed, we endorsed both Republicans and Democrats. I was endorsed while I was still a Republican, as an example. Did you have any thoughts on this, Katie, about the any partisanship in the Apple ballot or criticism on that regard? No, I don't have any criticism. I think the pro I've been through the process three times, and I can honestly say I thought it was very well done. I thought it was professionally handled. Um, I thought the questions were very good. I thought they get. I thought the questions that that we were asked really got at the essence of what was important to us as board members and to you as as, as teachers and to the community. And I felt, I felt that the questions were good. I and, and the the, um, the the sheet where we had to fill out personal information and, and points of view. I, I I thought you constructed it with questions in a very subject objective way. And I thought. I, I have no complaint. I would have, or I would have complained. <laughs> I did not complain because I didn't have any complaints about it. Uh, well, there's a little less than a month before the election this year. What are you know some of the issues that you hope to hear 
candidates and the public talking about in the last few weeks before the election. You mean BOE candidates? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let me see. Well, certainly school funding is going to continue to be a big one because we don't have enough school space. We don't have enough seats to handle. You know, I don't know if you noticed the numbers in the paper. Mm-hmm. We had 200 more kids than we expected. Uh, 200 more kids is half an elementary school. <laughs> so, yes, we're building two new elementary schools, and yes, we're building a, a new high school, which is not going to add that many seats. But um, school construction and co- school construction dollars going to become very, very important. Not only, well, now it's important, but we're in the process now of building three schools. So it's not like it's going to be um, over, you know, the, the, the issue about the construction dollars is not going to be over just because those three schools are built. Because as if, you know, if you've driven around the county, especially over in where I live in the west and the north part of the county, these large farms are being annexed to the city of Frederick and they're being developed. And it's a, it's a rapid rate that they're developing. Some of the, the townhouse and, and uh, uh, multifamily uh, units are, are developing quickly. And I, as you've, if you've seen Waverly Elementary, it's just gonna be surrounded by a whole, it's kind of almost like a, a jungle of new, new, new buildings. So it's going to be very, very hard to, to keep up with enough funding to build the school so that all kids will have a seat inside the building. Frankly, Waverly at this point this year is going to have 17 portables. And that's hard on little kids, tell me. <laughs> so, um, I th- so I think school construction is going to continue to be a big issue. Is there anything else you can think of? Well, uh, with con- school construction and, and assessments and the reauthorization of you know, ESSA and what that means in, down at the um, school district level, any time you have to redistrict, any time you have major shifts in wh- where students go to school, um, ideas of uh, equity and making sure that students have access to things regardless of what school they go to is always something that, and I think that people should be more cognizant of that. I think a lot of times people think about just their neighbor school and just or just this feeder pattern um, because that's where they live but the board of education has to look at all of the kids and all of the students that we teach and all of the kids we teach are just as important as the other feeder pattern is in this feeder pattern so um, it makes it um, sometimes people uh, question why a board member who lives here would make this vote and it and I believe it's because they're looking at what's best for the entire system and trying to make things equitable for students and and so there's questions of equity especially when they're going through redistricting and building new schools um, I, I believe should be in the forefront of what we're talking about I agree with your point about when you sit up at that day as you represent the entire county school system if you've got children going to Catoctin or you've got children going to Urbana, you're not there for Catoctin and Urbana unless you want to say that you're, that's part of all the schools that you're, you know, the Catoctin and Urbana feeders are just two of the ten. And so you really do have to remember that when you get up on that dais, you are representing the entire school system. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And the redistricting is very highly emotional. And we want to be sure that nobody has any thoughts that somebody's being showing favoritism in any kind of way. So I, I, I totally agree with you, Missy. That's a real important um, thing that's going to be coming up. It's going to be very big, starting in just a few weeks. Yeah, because they're working on some redistricting plans right now. Okay. 
Well, we are almost out of time, so we're just going to wrap it up. Um, one last question for each of you. Um, you know, again, the election is about a month away. What's the union's focus um, and the next steps? Making sure people understand uh, to vote all the way down the ballot and that they have three votes and they should use all three votes because as an informed citizen, you've got three um, seats that are open. We need three people in those seats. Good people in those seats. Three good people in those seats. How about you, Katie? Uh, what's what's you know you're wrapping up your board service? What's your next steps? And have you, are you supporting anybody in the election? Well, of course. Who? Well, I I'm gonna keep that quiet for now. But that's okay. <laughs> All right. You're gonna tell me after the election's over? Sure. All right. Sure. sure. Okay. So I am. Um, I've already begun my work as a member of the board of directors of SHIP, which is a student homelessness initiative partnership. I look to see that as my. Um, my my wonderful new transition and in my um board of ed retirement i don't call it retirement it's just moving on to another part of my life where i work with families and kids and and in whatever kind of way but i'm also going to become a volunteer at waverly elementary that's my home school and i would like to be a volunteer and work with kids and see what i can help with down in waverly so those are two things i think they'll keep me kind of busy any brief words of advice for the candidates who are running well, I know most of the candidates that I know that are running are having a lot of, have a lot of energy and have a lot of enthusiasm. And I would say that one of the things that we need to show the public is that we are energized and enthusiastic about what we do. Um, if, we, if we feel like and we act like we're defeated or that we're mad or angry, I think that, goes, that doesn't go very far with people. They don't want to see people angry, candidates angry about things, and that be their... their um, the attitude they bring to the candidacy. So I, I want to see people who are who are positive and who are highly um, excited about the work because it is exciting, believe me. And I'd like to see that be the, the focus that people bring into the last month of the election or, yeah. the, or, the, or the, of the election campaign. Very good. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Thank you for your time. In the Booth is produced by Graham Cullen, Chris Sands, Danielle Gaines, and me. Our theme music is courtesy of FMP reporter and rocker Kelsey Luce. If it's politics and it's Frederick, we hope you'll join us for the conversation in the booth. Mm-hmm.